Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this rainy day. Thank you for the rain, this rainy day that you've given us to come here to be together and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we know you want to heal us everywhere we hurt. And we're here to receive of you the things that you have already provided by grace. Help us to grow in our faith to receive, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Let everyone who hears this message be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered through salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll turn back to chapter 2 of Luke. We just finished out the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ. And I just want to read a little bit more about that, and then we're going to go on um, and see how that all connects. Amen? The Lord's going to speak to us today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, there it is. Chapter 2, and starting in the 21st verse. This was right after the, this was the night, after the night of the birth that we just read about, and the, and the shepherds, after the angels had appeared to them, they went and saw the baby, and they returned glorifying, praising God. And in verse 21, it picks it up from where we left off last week. At the end of eight days, when he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Deliverer. Amen? Amen. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Remember, he came to fulfill the law. He was born under the law and he fulfilled it perfectly because no one else could have ever done it. That's why he had to come. One of the reasons, as we discussed last week, amen? Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's how it was written in the Old Covenant. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons... Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? The coming Messiah that they'd been waiting for. That all of the scriptures in the Old Testament scream about. He's coming, he's coming. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, on this man Simeon. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There's a word of knowledge. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to get into that more this year as we grow in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe in the end times church, there's going to be a separating, as it were. And the real bride of Christ is going to be much more prevalent. And we're going to know the people that are walking in power and victory, it's going to be one of those deals sort of like in Moses' day. You throw down your rod and I'll throw down mine and we'll see. We'll see who walks with God. Amen. 
So I believe the bride of Christ in these last days is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit. Walking in power and authority and victory in Jesus' name. This is one of them. This was a holy man. He was there in the temple and he was waiting for something. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He declared... The Holy Spirit revealed to him, this is the baby. This is the Messiah that I promised you would see before I brought you home. He said, take me now, Lord. This is him. He had no way of knowing that. Jesus didn't look any different than anyone else. The kings, the three wise men had not been there the night of his birth. They came a couple years later, at a minimum. Okay? They, didn't, they weren't packing gold and myrrh and frankincense. They had just checked out of the stable. <laughs> you know? And they were doing their religious duties on the eighth day to take him to the temple and offer a sacrifice. The first male son was considered holy and set apart. And they were basically making the sacrifice, buying him back from God, in a sense. Nevertheless... This man knew by the Spirit of God that this was the Christ. And here in him, what he said, you see that, that he knew and, and proclaimed that it was for the Gentiles as well as, as well as for the Israelis. And they knew that if they would have read their scriptures, although a lot of them acted like it wasn't for the Gentiles, and they still do. Jesus said to some of the religious leaders of the, the day that were constantly missing him, not believing him because they had built their own lives around the lies, you see? And it would be too hard to throw all that away to believe. So they chose the world over God. And he said, you, you have let your traditions and doctrines or teachings of men make the word of God of none effect. We have to be careful of that. Even in our culture today, I could take you to a thousand churches, probably in Houston alone. And you would see what I'm talking about. They think if they know when to to answer back, when the preacher says a certain thing, things you and I, probably most of us, unless you were raised in that denominational setting, we wouldn't know what to say, when to say it. But they think because they know all that and (laughs) when to stand up, when to kneel... That's, that's religion. And there's nothing wrong with it unless you think that's earning something from God. You think because you do all that, you're on the good list instead of the naughty list, you see? No. That's foolishness. In that case, you know, because you could go into a church where the, the piano player had been sitting there for 30 years, she might be in big trouble. And the guy that walks in half drunk 
and just falls down at the altar and says, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you. He's very, very well, maybe fine. Just like the thief on the cross. But this person over here, and, and believe me, I, I, I'm believing and praying and, and really do believe that most of the piano players that have been sitting there for 30 years, they love the Lord and He knows them and they belong. But I'm just giving you an example. They could have a religious mindset thinking their religion and their service and their attendance has earned them something and it hasn't. If it's not based on what Jesus has done for us and something we have done for God, forget about it. He says it's just like filthy rags, all your good deeds. Long and short of it, you better be perfect or have a Savior who is. <laughs> because if you're guilty of just one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing, Jesus said. And we're all guilty. Amen. So isn't it much better to have a Savior like Jesus? And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Isn't that funny? They marveled, <laughs> even though angels had uh, visited both of them and told them. But still, I can imagine, you know, as time went on, nine months, and then as the birth was in a stable and all that, it's like, well, you know, maybe some doubts. But then here they are again, somebody prophesying this wonderful thing. Okay, so it encouraged them, I'm sure. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He was telling Jesus' mama that it was going to be painful for her as well. So that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. That's a long time. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to whom speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee and their own town of Nazareth. And they called, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We'll just stop there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Savior, Deliverer, Jesus. Also, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that comforting? I had a friend, have a friend, I grew up with, went to school with. He still lives back home in his mama's old house. Doesn't have much at all. But he loves the Lord. He doesn't attend church. And we talk about that sometimes and I tell him it's, that's not what gets you to heaven, you know. But it's good for you to go, you know. 
And so anyway, we were talking last night, and he's a real funny guy. He'll call me just to make me laugh and just to encourage each other in the Lord, you know. And he called, and he left me a message before I could catch the phone, and my ringer was off. And the message told me, don't be afraid. Tell tell my, my family and myself, don't be afraid or, or discouraged because God is coming to rescue you. And he said, that's just, he left that message. And then I called him right back. I saw him missed a call, and we talked for a minute. And he said, oh, you need to listen to my message. I just felt like I needed to share that. And uh, when I hung up, I listened to it. And I said, that? And I started looking through him. <laughs> I said, that, that's Isaiah 35.4. And he doesn't know that, believe me. And so I, I texted him back. I told him, I said, that's, that's Isaiah 35.4. And I quoted it exactly as it is in the Bible. It says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because God is coming to your rescue. And and uh, he said, what's going on? <laughs> That's not what he said. He said, what in the corn dog? <laughs> anyway, he has some funny jokes, some one-liners. And I said, I, I said, it's cool, man. It's a gift. I said, God is using you to prophesy. I said, I receive it. My family receives it. And I'm going to speak it over the, over the whole church. And he goes, wow, that's awesome. He said, tell them. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell them about you tomorrow. He said, tell them I'm the coolest guy you know. <laughs> but the Bible is awesome, and we need it. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible. Amen? Jesus says the Bible with eyeballs, hands, and feet. And I hope that you'll consider getting to know him a little better this year. I'm going to try to make it one of my goals. People talk about resolutions. And not to harp on things or be a buzzkill, but just try to, don't do that. Set some goals if you want. But don't resolve. Don't, don't take an oath about anything. We're not supposed to do that. If God wills it, God will give you the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I purpose this year to do better here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, these are my goals. That's fine. Just don't say, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. We're not supposed to take vows. Just so you know. It just opens the door for the enemy. Alright. This year is coming. And I love everybody likes something new, don't they? You know, something about something new. It just speaks of opportunity, doesn't it? I don't know. Something new in the box, something new in a, a job, a relationship. You know, new is, is always kind of exciting to us. And so as we approach the new year, we want to talk about that. And it's a new decade as well. So it's special. Tens which is speaking of a decade, tens, as it comes to mind in the Bible, is always uh, a number, <laughs> let me finish, for testing. There's always a test involved with tens. And you just go, oh my gosh, I've been tested enough. I don't want any tests. Well, listen, a test, if you're blessed, 
is not, God doesn't put bad things on you. Church that teaches that is misinformed, okay? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil, the enemy, the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So don't worry about God putting trouble on you. I would say that your test this year, I would hope that you would make it what we were just talking about, just to grow closer to the Lord. Because in the, in the shelter of His wings is where your protection is. And in your knowledge of Him and His Word and His promises regarding you is where your protection and provision are, you see? He said, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowing me, is what he's saying. Not me, but him. Because you notice in the story of the, the, the parable of the four soils, which is speaking of the word of God planted into the heart, the garden of our hearts. The only, and the enemy, the devil is, he didn't really care about you so much. It's the word that he comes after. When you leave here today, he'll come immediately, the Bible says, to try and steal this word that I'm planting in your heart. He used various things, same old nonsense, the struggles and strife of life and, the, and, the, and different things to make you doubt and just forget about it and not meditate on it and let it, let it take root and bear fruit in your life. He's after the word because why? The word is what can save you. When... When all the disciples in John six sixty six, all the disciples except for the twelve turned and they followed Jesus no more. That spirit of Antichrist in John six six six, when he said, "If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, pardon me," and they didn't even know what communion was. <laughs> that was pretty hard teaching. He turned to Peter and said, "You want to leave too? Y'all want to go?" Peter said, "Where are we going to go? You have the words of life." And he was right. This is important. But to start a new year, God would say, you need to put away the old year. Put the old one behind you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'll read that to you. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I can find it. Excuse me. All right. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. says, Brothers, this is Paul. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that that's what we all need to be focused on. God is not a God of the past. He is a God of right now. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. That's, that's the scripture. This is the only day that you are promised from God. And he's saying, get after it. Forget about all that old junk. 
I care, he cares very little about where you've been. And I'll qualify that a little bit in a moment. But where are you going? And that goes for everybody. Everybody. The worst sinner like me in the world or the one who thinks that they're so good they don't have to worry about knowing God because surely someone that sweet and nice and giving uh, would never, believe me, good people like that go to hell right alongside old sinners like I was. If people aren't going to church because of the hypocrite that lives next door that keeps inviting them, well, they might, they ha- might have a cell right next to them in hell. <laughs> it's not between them and those hypocrites. It's about them and God. Amen. Forget the things that are past. Press on toward the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, yesterday, as the new year approached, I, 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 we have kids and, and my wife just kind of holds on to things. And so my garage, it's not the... The guy's garage that you want, you know, I want it, I want it cool, man. I want it straightened out where I can use it, you know. <laughs> I've got the new cabinets in there and everything, and I just never, every time I'd get it to the place where it was about ready, then, you know, maybe my wife or one of the grown kids would realize, hey, this is, this is better than paying $100 a month for storage. <laughs> So anyway, I made it my goal. I'm like, you know, instead of being such a daunting task of just going and ugh, pulling it out, just I'm just going to start every day. I'm going to do one or two things out there to to make it happen, you know. And I'm getting close. And so yesterday I was doing that, pulling stuff out. And you know, it's like it's like sometimes you have you ever gotten to the point where you go every drawer you open in your house. It's like you have to kind of, <laughs> every drawer is a junk drawer. It's like, okay, time to, time to do something, you know, get rid of some of the old. And then when you do, you, you feel better. When you, you end up with less, but less becomes more, doesn't it? Why? Because now it's, it's functional. You can make use of it. Whereas before it's like... <laughs> Close, close that closet. So what you do is you throw everything in there when somebody's coming over. <laughs> or if you just don't know what to do with this one thing right now, where to put it, I'll just shut just put it in the drawer. Right and the next thing you know, you're overwhelmed. Our lives are like that sometimes. And I'm just here to tell you that with God's simplicity, it's better. God doesn't want us cluttered and weighed down by the things of this world. He says, don't love the world or the things of the world. He says, the world is an enemy of God. Now, he loves the world because he loves us. But as far as worldly things and the things that people chase after, it all comes under the heading of the, the, the original sense. It started in the Garden of Eden, the pride of life, the Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he just doesn't want that for us. He wants us unhindered. That's why he doesn't want us to be in a lot of debt and, uh, and things like that. And I told you before how I watch my neighbors sometimes. We kind of have the smallest house on a block with big houses and stuff like that. And I see these guys coming. They run in from home and jump out of their vehicle and go change out of their suit. And they run back out and they, they pull this 
RV out and this ATV out, and then they go get the motor home and they got to wash it. And I'm like, man, all that stuff really owns that guy. You know, <laughs> it can become like that. So simple is good. You know, less becomes more. I heard a friend say one time, you know how you kill a man's dream? Give him two. There's no focus. There's no. Well, what we're getting at is that we need time with God. And I find that most of us, including me, if I'm not careful, I just don't say it because I'm afraid to say it to him. But we will accuse God without even knowing it. And I just didn't have enough time. I don't have time. Uh, there are people that aren't here today, not anyone that, that y'all mentioned, but other people that aren't coming anymore because they, frankly, they just rather have Sunday as their day of uh, sleep. And I'm not judging anyone, but I'm just saying, when you go to church, when you spend, when you make an effort to, to seek God and to grow in, in the grace and knowledge of God, He's going to make the crooked places more straight. He's going to take the time that you do have, and He's going to get all those things on your checklist done in a fraction of the time you could have without Him. It's just true. I've just asked him a million times, Lord, redeem the time. And then I just pray. I pray in the Spirit. I go to Scripture. And then next thing you know, when I didn't have any time for that, I didn't think. And I realized that's exactly the thing I need. And then everything starts to straighten out. It's amazing. It's not. It should be just common knowledge to us because of the track record he has in our lives. But sometimes we forget to remember we forget to remember that everything we've been through up till today, he's gotten us through. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. I can tell you, I don't have enough fingers to count. And the ones I do are not in that great a shape because of some of the things he's delivered me through. <laughs> Saved my life when I didn't deserve it. Before I even knew him. God is faithful. Remember that old song, be a simple kind of man. I love it. But the Bible doesn't talk about simple people in a very good light. So I'm not talking about simple-minded. Simple in the sense that you don't think of a need for God. You never give Him any time of day. That's how it kind of refers to simplicity as a negative thing. I'm talking about simplified in the sense that you streamline your life. Make it less hectic, less stressful. Believe me, that's a big one. Because whenever you pray, if you ever tell God, I don't have enough time to do everything you, you told me to do, He's, he's not going to call you a liar, but He's going to go quiet on you. And what He's saying is some of that I didn't tell you to do. That's why I, don't, I told you I don't complain about time to God because I'm afraid He'll take away some of the things that, you know... He doesn't mind us do, doing things we like and, and want to do, as long. But, but don't start complaining about the time and saying he didn't give you enough time because he would be unjust to call you to do things in a day, 24-hour period, that he didn't give you the time to do. So where, where are we getting off track? We're adding things that he didn't ask us to do and really doesn't want us to do. Amen. Because even with the things that he's asked you to do, he'll allow free time in there. He, he, he's got it all covered. You can never blame God. 
There's a lot of people that blame God when they really need to be blaming the devil or themselves. <laughs> Look at Hebrews chapter 13, since we're back there in the back. Hebrews is so powerful. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Y'all with me? Keep your life free from the love of money. Notice it's the love of money. It doesn't say keep your life free of money. God doesn't care if you have money. He just doesn't want it to have you. Amen? Amen. The love of money. Keep your life free from the love of money. Remember, it's just a tool. And be content with what you have. So, you say, wait a minute, am I... Am I supposed to just uh, just settle? No. You know, you can be believing for great things way beyond you, and you should be. If your dreams are things that you have decided you can accomplish in your own strength and your own money and your own time and your own way, I think I can do that. That's not God. It's got to be something way bigger than you. Why? Because God wants the glory. God wants the credit. Don't be afraid to dream big, but at the same time, you can be content in whatever situation you're in while you're waiting and standing in faith. Does that make sense? The best of both worlds. He really just wants you to walk in peace. He said, Isaiah 26, 3, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. Because you trust me, because you love me. And that's the exchange. Just trusting him. And that's what we need to grow in. Where was I? Five and six. Um, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, some of you say, well, a lot, <laughs> actually. <laughs> they have. That's why I'm in the, you know, the brokenness, the various degrees of brokenness that we all shelter because of the things people have done or, or maybe... In my case, it was mostly self-inflicted wounds. But really, with God, we don't even have to fight those battles. And that's the trust level that He's trying to bring us to, the confidence. We have to know His promises regarding us, and we have to believe them. In Mark eleven twenty-four and 25, it says, Believe When you pray, believe that you have what you pray for when you pray, and you shall have it. Now, that seems opposite. You say, well, can't we just, when we see it, we'll know we have it? No. He says, then you'll never have it. Not in the kingdom. It's It's a kingdom of opposites, sort of backwards. He's teaching us to trust in Him even though we can't see Him. To know that this is a book written by him. The world wants you to believe this is an old book written by old white men about God. And it's, it's, uh, it's irrelevant now. And that's a lie from the devil. The devil wants you to believe that. It's the truth. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when I talk negatively about people and groups and the left. 
I'm really talking about how the enemy is using them. I know if you could just lift the veil back, pull the curtain back. You know, in my, my room this morning, I told you at 6 o'clock, I had to run to the men's room. And I couldn't see anything. I heard the rain. But I had to, because we have blackout curtains, big thick ones, two sets. And so I had to pull the, the deal back on the sliding door there to see that it was still dark outside. This this book, see this cover? This is that curtain. And here's the light that we can shed on everything in our lives. So it says, be free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And it's saying, because you have me is what he's saying. And I'm everything. I have everything you need. And I already know what you need before you ask. You say, well, I'm already simple then. (laughs) I must be because I must not love money because I don't have any. (laughs) He says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. He has made provision for his children. You see that offering basket over there? Do I ever preach? You know, I've been to churches where half the sermon was preaching the offering. And usually when I go to conferences or something like that, sometimes they'll ask me to preach the offering. And believe me, they don't want me to do that. Because I tell people the truth. It is wise to to give to increase the kingdom of God. I don't take anything from the church. My prayer is that one day it will grow so big that I won't be able to work anymore and I'll have to devote full time. And then it's written in the bylaws. I can take, I can take a salary, but I just I never have. So it makes it easy for me to talk about money to you guys because it's how God has planned to get money to his children. Everything's in seed form, remember? Including money, time, love, all your gifts and talents. And how you sow them into good ground is, is the harvest you can expect to re- get back. So if what you have isn't enough to make, meet your need, make part of it your seed. Amen. And then wrap expectancy around that for a harvest. See, religious people, like I was describing a while ago, They may have been tithing and giving above and beyond the 10% tithe, the first tenth, and and giving offerings. You know, and you can do do that, and it's good to do all that. You're never going to outgive God, I guarantee you. But if there's a way, that's why I don't preach about it. I don't tell new people, you need to be tithing. I don't want people brand new to come in and and give 10% when they feel like, you know, my friend on the phone last night, I, I, all these TV preachers, all they want is money. It shows he has no understanding. He says, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. God is already good to me. Well, he needs a lot. That's foolish talk. He needs a lot. But first he needs to learn that he's the sprinkler for the kingdom. If you realize that you're blessed to be a blessing, then how could you ever tell God, Oh God, I won't ask for anything for myself. No. If, if, you, if you talk like that, then it shows that you do think it's all, all for yourself. And it's not. You're blessed to have overflow, to be a blessing, to, to, to grow the kingdom. And see, the sprinkler always stays wet. Get it? You're always going to increase. 
Anyway, it's not about giving, but I just want to encourage people, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are there crooked preachers? Yeah. Are there some that have chosen the ministry as just a career choice and and figured they could get a better salary than the BA they have for something else? Liberal arts? Yes. But but don't don't throw everything away because of it, you see? Proverbs 10, 22 says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Now listen, I have been wealthy and I have been poor as dirt. And then I have been wealthy and then I have been poor as dirt. So I, and I've been all the stages of in between. So I, I, I tell you, it's a lot better with it. It's a lot better to have than to have not. And poverty is not of God. It's of the devil. I'll tell you that right now. Poverty is part of the curse. And Jesus bore that on his body on the tree. Well, when was Jesus broke? When he hung suspended between heaven and earth, rejected by both, naked and beaten and left alone. Why endure what he's already paid for? Believe that God said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. See the correlation? How does our soul prosper? Our spirit is already perfect if we have received Christ, you know. And if you've made him your Lord and Savior, you may not be perfect already, but you should still have an unction to do good instead of bad. If you still wake up every day and say, I want to go, I want to go do some evil, then we might need to start over. <laughs> I got baptized a couple of times, once drunk, and all I got was wet. I needed to start over. But you should have a, a you should be wanting to be better, to do better, to get closer to God, to serve, you know, you should have that desire. And, and all of you do, I'm sure you... I mean, this isn't the kind of church that people just come and, and just are drawn to because of all the great, uh, you know, uh, the band and the child care and the sign up for a free cruise and all that, you know. So, <laughs> I think you're all pretty good here. <laughs> if I, I'm not the judge, but if I'm, if I'm just being a fruit inspector today, which I can judge by the fruit, you know. I think you all know the Lord and I'm so glad. <laughs> Jeremiah 10.23 is one of my foundational scriptures. Jeremiah has a revelation. He said, Lord, I know that man's life is not his own. And this is where we lose a lot of folks. My life. I'm not going to let it Anybody tell me what to do? I had a good friend, a doctor on my rodeo committee. He told me, I, you know, I got nothing against the church. I just don't believe they should you can tell me how to think. I said, well, that's a big problem. Because, you know, uh, Mark Twain said that the two best days in your, most important days in your life is the day you're born and the day you find out why. I believe that to an extent, if the day you find out why is the day you find out about the Lord and you make him your Lord and Savior. But another very important day is the day that you realize that your brains need to be washed a little bit. (laughs) 
talking about brainwashing. Oh, that's just a bunch of brainwashing. Well, trust me, if you've been in the world without God, these eye and ear gates have taken in all the, the, the demonic activity and the ungodliness that has, the enemy has thrown at you because he's in charge of this world for a time. You, you need some brainwashing. <laughs> Paul said, <laughs> you're looking at me funny. Paul said, brother, I beseech you by the mercies of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because of all the good things God has done for you, do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed in your mind by the washing of the water of the word. You see, this word will change your thinking. If you want to know God, if you want to know about God, he says, I, those who seek me will find me. When they seek me with all their heart. That's right after the scripture that you like. The one that's on the cover of my, my deal right here. It says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Well, it goes on from there and it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. He wants to be found by you. He says, and then I will show you wonderful things that you did not know. Isn't that cool? God wants to show you some really cool things. Make that your goal. People call me all the time. He says, man, I, I really trying to serve the Lord. I really try, but you know, my, my spouse... They're just not on board with it. My kids. Uh, I said, man, listen. When God, he, and then God told me this, but you see, you lost me right there. If God tells you something, just get after it. And let him handle the rest. You, God loves family. God loves marriage. And I know that if not all, everyone sitting here, 98% of us have, have, have felt that, that pain, that deep, deep void. And that, you know, based on people that have based their, their love, not on a biblical love, which is outward, but on the kind of love that says, I love you for what you do for me. And that's the kind you can fall in and out of, you know. You don't fall into love and you don't fall out of love. Love is a choice. God is love. You see? And if you've got somebody that falls out of love, with you, well then they need Jesus anyway. Let them go. There's some things that we need to let go. Because to enter into something new, you have to do something about the past. It's like if I want to pick up something with my right hand, what do I need to do now? I need to set this aside, don't I? Bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. Disappointment. We have to let those things go. Now here's where people get confused. 
People do terrible things in this world. People have hurt us. And they will continue to hurt us. If we allow. And God says out of everything, he he wants you to guard your heart. And that doesn't mean put up a wall. He said, but I've been hurt so much. I can't take it anymore. I just have to create a bubble or no, you cannot. People are going to hurt you when you try to serve God, when you when you try to live the righteous Christian life, do it anyway. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. If if you think that, well, if I go to church or if I serve God or if I do what I feel like he's telling me to do, then this person is not going to come along. Watch. Watch and see. If they see you really serving God, Paul said, this is how much God, he loves you so much. But see, he, you're a spirit. See, the world thinks that you're a, either, they just think that they're this body or they, they're pretty much a well of the soulish realm, their personality, their mind, their will and emotion. So they think they're a soul with a body or a body with a soul. But that's always going to keep you in the flesh. God sees you in the spirit. You're a spirit that has a personality and you're always going to have that. You're just here riding around. This is your vehicle. And we focus more on this than we do on the spirit because we can't discern the spirit with our natural senses like we do our soul. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says that we are spirit, soul, and body. And in John 4.24, it says God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The law came through Moses. That's the flesh. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. Grace without the truth will lead you astray and cause you to think a live a lascivious life thinking everything is covered by grace. The truth alone will destroy you. It's too much to bear. Thank God for God's mercy and grace as well as His truth. But we have to address the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the hurt, the disappointments because we we need to give them to God. Just need to go to the altar and just mentally, physically, however you want to talk to God, however you want to envision it, you need to deliberately give those things over to Him and say it's not because it's okay. It's not okay. God hates sin more than you do because it destroys His children. And so the sin that's been committed to you, against you, you're not saying it's okay when you forgive. You're giving it to God who's much more equipped to take care of it in His way, in His time, and He doesn't miss anything, and He loves you. And there are some of you that He is very close to coming to your rescue in a big, big way. In a big, big way. But you have to trust Him with it. As long as we're holding on to things, you know who He's looking at? You. He's looking at you. 
when you give it to him, he begins to look at those things that caused the, the offense. Because you're free now. He went and he found that sheep, that one lost sheep. You were it when you were in bondage that you had created this jail cell in your own mind of bitterness and anger and hurt and unforgiveness. That's a prison cell of your own making. And he wants you out of it. He wants you free, unhindered. And then he'll deal with all those things. Don't pick them back up. That's faith. I gave it to you, God. And now just pray for those people. And then he wants to do a new thing. Isaiah chapter 43. Let's look at there real quick and then we're done here. I'm sorry for that hard part. But it's only because sometimes we're like children running with scissors. And God's like that parent that says, listen, you give me those scissors and I'll give you this candy. <laughs> you know, but we got to turn loose of the scissors to get the good stuff. And that's for their own good, isn't it? Isaiah 43, verse 18. God says, remember not the former things. Remember not the former things, nor consider the old things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you have your Bible or a way to mark those on your device... Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I hope you'll stand on those scriptures. Now and this year and this decade and forever. I'm going to read it again. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. It's springing forth right now. It's being birthed in your life, in your heart. Do you not perceive it? Try, try to believe God. Try to believe that God is good and He loves you and He's very aware of everything that you're suffering. He's, he hates it as much as you do and He's doing a new thing. He's working on, He's putting everything in position right now to do a new thing, a good thing in your life. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future and He will do it. Just believe Him. Just trust Him. Proclaim it. Stand on it. Settle for nothing less. Remind Him of it. If you want to get mad, just remind Him of it. You said. And He's going to say it. I'm doing it. Now, turn your anger on the right person, the devil. That's why you were given anger. God has anger. He created us in His image. But He said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So what is it then? Who, who can I get mad at? The devil, dadgummit. The devil is the one who is out to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you, and your family, and your loved ones, and everything you care about. And to steal this word from you which can help you. If you let him steal Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 from you, then there's a perfect example of what the devil is laughing at you for. And how he continues to have victories even when he's already been defeated. He has no authority except what you give him. 
Colossians chapter 3, and I'm done. Just please bear with me for just a moment because I want to bring this all the way home. Colossians 3. Let's go to the New Testament now. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start to the first verse of chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ... Now listen, this is, this is about your identity. You want to know? You got people... Have you been to Colorado lately? I know Don has. I go up there sometimes, go to Woodland Park and Colorado Springs for ministry because we have the Bible College up there, Karis, and I'm, I'm the regional advocate for Texas and Alaska and Utah for the uh, Ministers Association for Andrew Woman. And we get to go up there. Well, the last time we were up there, we were just like, oh my goodness. Look at the roads. Look at the roadsides. There's just people everywhere. Just drug addicts. Just, it's, it's become terrible. Like parts of California. Because of these laws that they're passing. These things that they think, oh, that's not going to hurt anybody. It's hurting. Because it leads to other things. And just it's just, it draws people that just... In the 60s, the hippies, they were looking for themselves. They would try different drugs to try to go to places, hallucinogenics, and you know, so forth. Just, just trying to find myself, man. You want to find yourself? Listen for just a minute, and I'll be done. And you can go enjoy the new year. Here's your true identity. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then have been raised with Christ... Jesus said, he told Nicodemus, he came to him cowardly at night because he was under peer pressure from all the religious leaders. He came to him at night, he said, we know you're from God. And he just cut to the chase. Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So if you've been born again, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Why? Verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That's hard to wrap your mind around. And matter of fact, those that do not have the Spirit of God will never accept or understand what I just said. It's impossible for them to, the Bible says. They think it's foolishness. They think the cross is foolishness. This is saying, first of all, we need to let go of false teachings, false doctrines, legalism. You're not going to earn your way to heaven and nobody else is either. If you've really been born again, you might have some you might have some stuff in your life. Matter of fact, you do. And you might know somebody that doesn't know the Lord and they just seem perfect to you and you're like, man, I can't reconcile it. I, I, I think they would go to heaven before me. Wrong! If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He died 2,000 years ago for every sin you will ever commit. That doesn't mean it's good to go on sinning. They kept asking Paul, does this mean we can just keep on sinning so that we get more grace? 
Heavens no. <clears throat> and this is why. Because you died with Christ on the cross. You have to understand this by the Spirit. You are in Christ. When I say that, you, you, you get that. You've heard that. If you're in Christ, then you are with Him in that seed. When, when He was crucified on the cross, you died with Him. And if you died with Him, you were buried with Him, and you were raised back to new life. You died to sin, that old sinful nature, that, that evil concupiscence, the Bible calls it. An overwhelming desire to do evil. I used to have that. I'd want to do good, I'd want to do good, I'd want to do good. And no, I'd go right back to the, the dumb. Now, if I think about doing something that's just, you know... No, I shouldn't. Or, like, say with my wife or something. Yeah, perfect example. Because in the old days, you just fight like cats and dogs, right? Now, I want to be mad at her. Ooh, I'm going to hold on to that. Ooh, I ain't going to forget that. Oh, I love you. That's all right. You see? You want to be bad, but you can't. You, you keep going back to the good. That's a good indication of your spiritual location. But you died with Christ and now you have been born again. You are free from the bondage to sin. There's nothing compelling you to sin anymore. There used to be because you were a child of the devil. You had his seed in you. Now that has been removed if you're born again and the Spirit of God has been ushered in, renewed your spirit, perfected it and sealed it with the promised Holy Spirit so one third of your salvation is done and there's nothing compelling you to do evil anymore. It's a choice. We can still sin with the best of them, but you can't say the devil made me do it anymore. So you're free from the bondage to sin and from the influence of this world if you want it. You have that power in you. Why is this oh so essential? People say, man, just, just take it. No, because this is, this is what the crackhead needs to know. This is what the alcoholic needs to know. This is what the, the murderer needs to know. When they say, oh, that's just who I am. That's what I am. Uh, hello, my name's so-and-so. I'm a this, I'm a that. So many days I've been good. Well, that's good if that's all you got. But I'm telling you, Jesus is a free gift. And that's the one-step program where there's nothing ever compelling you. It's not day-to-day -day anymore. It's not day to day. When he took all that junk from me, he took it. I don't have those desires anymore. Amen. That's who you really are. You died with Christ. You died to sin. You died to the influence of this world. It says so in Galatians 2.20. I'll just tell you the same time. And in Romans 6.11. And if you could just look those up when you want to and just study those things out. But there was a death that took place when you were born again. It was, it was your evil nature. It was gone. You died with Christ. You were buried with Him. That's why He asked us to be baptized. It's a symbolic gesture on our behalf. It doesn't save you to be water baptized. The baptism that they speak of, that one baptism that saves you is being baptized into Christ. The Holy Spirit does that. And then Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Ghost, which you need very much if you have not received that. But you died with Christ. You are baptized in water as a symbolic expression of being buried with Him. 
and then risen with him as well. And when you come up out of that water, it's a picture. This is all a type of shadow, uh, an outward expression, if you will, of an inner commitment that has already been made. And it's supposed to be symbolic of you rising up free now out of the grave, free of all that junk of the world that was holding you back, keeping you from serving God and loving as you really wanted to and needed to. A real kind of love that comes from without and is not selfish. Amen. But with the death, there was also a deposit made in you, to you, for you. You were given new life in Christ. This new life imparts to us this new divine nature that I was talking about. Now, Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit, 5.23 and 24, I think. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are all yours, full-grown and full-blown. And you say, ah, my patience isn't full-blown and full-grown. Sorry. Well, listen, I just said something I shouldn't have on the road the other day. Somebody pulls up. And I just, and I was on the phone with my nephew, and he said, see, don't you feel better? And I said, no, I don't. I said, it, it feels good to your flesh. But I'm not trying to live after the flesh. I said, it it makes me mad at me. I'm not condemned. God still loves me, but it opens the door for the devil. And he goes, wow, that's what my wife was just telling me the other day. I said, she's right. And I don't want to open any doors for that loser. Come back in. Reclaim ground that I've already got. We were given a new life and we need to learn to who we are and how, how to negotiate this new skin that we're in. Amen? So to speak, spiritually. The divine nature they talk about in Second Peter 1.4. But the good thing about this new nature, this sealed Holy Spirit, is that there's a guarantee that comes with it to the believer for eternal security. Now that's a warm blanket right there. Especially when you're hurting and broken within, as the song says. God loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And you say, well, where was he when all this was going down? He was there hurting and suffering with you. For everything in this world, there is a spiritual law that God has put in place that allows you the ability to reach out and Obtain the provision provided by grace through the atonement and its faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to get this in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith has grown just while you're being here today, I hope. A little bit. Now you need to hold on to it. You need to meditate on these truths. You need to claim these promises for yourself and find more. Find promises that apply to every area of your life. Write it on your refrigerator. Remind God what He said. He loves it when you say, You said it. What did I say, baby? What did I say? He wants you to say it. Why? Because He forgot? No, He doesn't want you to forget. He might ask you some questions this year. 
I feel like God's asking me. It's like it's not because He doesn't know. When He said, "Adam, where are you?" He didn't lose Adam in the garden. Adam lost him. Hello. Hebrews seven twenty-five. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to take any more time. I want to read one more thing. But look at Hebrews seven twenty-five and John ten twenty-eight. You can listen to this online if you want to get that. If you're so inclined. But I want to tell you something. You are in protective custody now. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, and sometimes. Our rebellious spirit just said, I just want to be free. I don't want to work. But, but believe me, when you need God and when you're hurt and when you're down and when you feel like you're all alone, it feels good to know that you're in protective custody of Jesus Christ because he's a badass. Excuse my language. Hello? He'll fix me later. This is protective custody custody where the enemy can't touch you. The shelter of the shadow of his wings. This is a fight that you don't have to fight. It's my point. We keep wanting to fight. We keep trying to fight and we and we get beat up. We're no match for the devil on our own. We need Jesus. And believe me, we're only here for a flicker. This world is not the best that God has to offer. You can read in Colossians 3, verse 4. But I want to read to you this, and I'm, I'm really done. I'm going to read this, this one passage of Scripture, and we're going to pray. Revelation. Chapter 21. And I want you to picture this in your mind because you're going to be there. And it's not just then. But remember that the entire history of mankind is already played out in the mind of God. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. You can walk in that peace. In John fourteen twenty seven, he said, Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. I'm not going to take it back. Then our part. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, he wants you to trust in that peace. He said, you keep your mind stayed on me and my promises. You give all that bitterness and unforgiveness to me. You let me fight those battles and you just trust me and I'll keep you in perfect peace. Revelation 21, starting at the first verse. John's describing the glory of God as he has been been revealed to him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, Jesus, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. God has great things in store for you. The Bible, they, these men that God, through by the Holy Spirit, inspired them to write down the words in this book, they could not... They always failed to capture the brilliance and magnificence and glory of God and His plans for us. Paul said, I, you can't even imagine. He just, he, he, was, he just left it at that. He said, your brain cannot even imagine the wonderful things that God has in store for you. You can't even imagine. We're not, we're not capable and we have a magnificent brain. But it's not even capable of imagining. Say, I can imagine some pretty nice things. Doesn't hold a candle to what God has in store for those who love Him. Amen? I want you to hold on to that word this year. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because God is coming to your rescue. He's already made provision. And as you grow stronger in your faith and your trust in Him, He's going to have some fun with you this year. He's going to show you wonderful things that you didn't know. And He's going to take you on a beautiful journey with Him. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for the year that has passed. And thank You for helping us to leave all the things behind in this year that we need to leave behind to trust you with them and to move forward with expectancy, expecting good things, expecting good things to prosper us in, in every way, not just financially, but that too, so that we can be blessed, to be a blessing. And you, that blessing from you will come with no sorrow added to it. But blessed in our minds, Lord, in our soulish realm, you are our shepherd, and you are the one who restores our soul. Renew our minds according to your word. Help us to come into agreement with you. We know that you want to give us the desires of our heart. Help those be your desires, Lord. Help us to walk in agreement with you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us the way you do. For prospering us and keeping us in good health. I speak a blessing over everyone here and over everyone that hears this message. And I believe that you have been given at least 
at least one or two gifts of the Spirit, maybe more, that you are qualified to press into. Ask, begin to ask the Holy Spirit to use you. But you need to make a commitment to Him that when He shows you things about His people or those that He has drawing to Himself that are hurting or broken, that when He shows you something, it's not for your criticism, it's for your prayer, for your love. And once you establish that, He will use you. He will give you words of knowledge. He will give you miracles and signs and wonders. You will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank You for these gifts of the Spirit that You will begin to to, to utilize amongst these people so that they can help others heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Help us to grow the kingdom of God this year, Lord, in this decade, to be a part of everything that you have for us to do. Help me to see the vision clearly that I may write it down and make it clear to all who want to be a part of it, Lord. This is my request from you. And give me the strength and the health and the provision to do everything that you have in store. Help us to dream beyond our own abilities and our own capabilities and our own financial ability. Help us to dream big, Lord, because you are a good God. Never Help us to never let our memories be greater than our dreams. In Jesus' name, amen.